It's time now for Gina Gardner and Friends, the show that shares stories from inspiring people, from a wide range of expert guests, all focused on helping you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. Gina Gardner is a multiple number one international best-selling author, motivational speaker, business coach, and trainer. She's the founder of Genuinely You and has over 30 years experience of helping people step into their genuine, authentic power, personally and professionally. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. And now, here's your host, Gina Gardner. Hello there, and a huge welcome to this week's episode of Gina Gardner and Friends. Now, I have a range of wonderful guests, but today's guest is very special. Her name is Jane McClelland. She is a stage four cancer survivor and has survived for many years, but she's used that opportunity of her own experience to help thousands of other people who have had cancer. I first came across Jane when a really good friend of mine was diagnosed with stage uh, four um, triple negative breast cancer. And so I worked with my friend Vicky to get to know Jane and her work and found that it was really, really beneficial. And so I'm absolutely thrilled that you have joined the program today, Jane, because there are so many people who are fighting um, cancer in either as a as somebody who's got it or it affects the whole family, doesn't it? So oh, it does. Yeah. Thanks very much for having me on. Um, it's a topic that does affect most families one way or another. It's something like one in three uh, of women, or is it men? I can't remember which way it is, but one in two or one in three, you know, uh, of either sex. And so, and it's increasing. So it's overtaken heart disease as the number one cause of death which is something that didn't expect to happen until 2030, but it's already there. We're there already. It's suddenly had this roller coaster effect where it's prevalent so much. And it's, um, it's a massive problem uh, for people because they don't fully understand what causes it and they don't fully understand how to treat it at the moment. And we're not giving it enough modalities. We're not actually getting in from different angles enough to, to attack it in different ways. And so at the moment, you know, chemo, radiotherapy, even uh, immunotherapies and the traditional treatments like targeted treatments, all of those tend to lead to resistance. The, 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 the cancer learns to resist all those treatments. We don't yet have a full enough cocktail 
of modalities to treat the cancer. And that's that's my mission is to tell people that there are more things that they can use um, and actually combine things quite safely. Uh, and some of these things can be off-label drugs. So these are drugs that you don't normally use for cancer that are used for other conditions. So that, that you know, quite low toxicity drugs can be incorporated into your program, used alongside your traditional treatments like the chemo, like the the radiotherapy or whatever you're on, you know, you can add some of these things in and it enhances the effect of those treatments. So that's my big mission is to tell people there are more things that you need to understand. We're going to talk um, in a little while about your book, How to Starve Your Cancer. But before we do, and I think really important for people to get a sense of your story, because they will recognise then that you're talking from a, a position of great experience, both in terms of a survivor, but also somebody who's been through cancer, not just once. So would you share a bit of your story with people? Yes. So it started way back in 1994. Um, I'd been for several smears and I'd been told I had a problem. I kept going back and uh, it got missed. You know, I, th there are a lot of reasons why that happened. I'm deeply suspicious of some of the reasons why I fell through the net there. But anyway, I ended up having um, what would normally be deemed stage three cancer because it had spread to quite a lot of lymph nodes. And then, uh, so I had the normal treatments, chemo, radiotherapy, usual stuff. And then I uh, sat back on my hands and didn't really do very much. I just thought that would be it. I was actually at the time more depressed than anything because I'd lost my womb at the age of 30. And I thought, that's it. I'm, you know, now infertile. That was the big thing for me when I went through my cancer journey was the depression and the infertility. That affected me mentally more than anything else. Uh, then my mother ended up having stage four breast cancer in 96, which was a massive blow to me, you know, and that really woke me up to the fact that there are other potential treatments out there. We're still fledgling internet at this point. So very hard to research anything much, but I certainly understood that changing her diet would be critically important, cutting out some of the glucose, as much glucose as you can and also cutting out some things for, for uh, breast cancer in particular. You know, it's quite driven by uh, dairy products actually stimulate something called IGF-1, which is a growth factor. So I knew that cutting out some of those things would be useful for her as well. Uh, and then I started on this path of discovery. Um, but unfortunately, it was kind of too late to save her. She, and she didn't really embrace the diet. She didn't embrace anything I was saying to her, really. So we lost her fairly quickly. Um, and then I ended up with stage four in 1999. So that was when it had spread to my lungs. Um, you know, effectively, at that stage, they gave me a mean survival of about 12 weeks, uh, which was gutting. And at that point, I'm only 35, you know, and so I, I got married very, very quickly within the week. <laughs> yeah. um, and we'd already, we were going to be having a, a big, massive wedding, but that just got pushed aside, not doing that. We just get on, get it done. And then I can focus on the business of trying to get myself well. That was my big focus. So forget. Can I just check with you, what year are we talking about now? Because I think that's so, really pertinent. Yeah, that's 1999. So a long time ago. 12 we weeks, 1999. I just want people yeah. to hear that. <laughs> so, 
yeah so i'm now a 20 plus year you know 22 years survivor of uh stage four um but i haven't had cancer all this time you know i i then had another recurrence in 2003 and 2004 i felt i was getting really tired i was getting these massive hot sweats and and i was on hormones i was having my hrt at this point and i you know it wasn't to do with menopause or anything else this was to do with something called myelodysplasia and this the result of the chemo and the radiotherapy i'd been given that had actually altered my bone marrow given me a secondary cancer um from treating the first one so that was a disaster and I didn't quite know how to deal with that because it was behaving differently to my cervical cancer, which I was treating in a holistic way. I was doing lots of things like intravenous vitamin C. I had a whole host of supplements I was taking. I'd obviously altered my diet. I was doing more exercise. But the um, this leukemia-type problem was something I didn't quite understand. What I didn't know at the time was actually leukemia's tend to get driven more by proteins, amino acids, than they are glucose. So I was kind of treating one and I was managing to keep the cervical cancer under control. But this new thing, this myelodysplasia, which is this bone marrow condition, I couldn't control that at the time. So I thought, geez, I've got to do something entirely different. What do I do? And I'd been investigating, I've been keeping my eyes peeled all over the place. And I thought, right, I've come across some old drugs that I knew would work, uh, at least in part. I didn't know they would work as well as they did, but I discovered some research about lovastatin, etodilac, and I'd worked out that actually, if you put them together, they work five times better to kill cancer than if you use them on their own. And I found research to show that the statin, even on its own, actually helped cervical cancer for sure. And it helped to block the progression uh, when you're when you're taking that. So I knew that was good. The Atodilac, which was an arthritis drug, it's a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. Um, so I took that alongside the statin. And then uh, I took another drug, which is called Dipridamol, which is an antiplatelet drug to stop your platelets sticking together. And uh, so I took that and then I was taking uh, some, a supplement called berberine. I was taking quite a few supplements at this point, you know, fish oils and all sorts of things, curcumin, the usual lot, green tea, you know, all of that was sort of stuck into my protocol. Um, and the end result was that I, uh, I then had, so I had some blood tests which showed that it was um, haywire, you know, markers were too high. And then seven months later, I kept tracking myself, but seven months later, pretty much all gone. You know, I had just a tiny bit of the markers still seven months later, but, you know, virtually nothing. Uh, so I was absolutely thrilled. I didn't know how long that was going to last for, and I didn't stay on the drugs long enough at that point. So I came off them thinking, great, that's it, I'm cured. Wasn't enough. It came back the following year boom, it came roaring back again, probably both cancers, to be honest. Both markers suddenly went shooting up my cervical cancer markers and the leukemia markers were both going up. So I thought, okay, I've got to throw more at it again. So I went back on my drug cocktail immediately, um, but I stuck with it. I didn't stop after three months. I kept going. Uh, and even to this day, I'm still, at night time, I still take diprinamol, take the statin. <laughs> I take metformin now as well, which is a diabetic drug. 
So I'm still doing quite a lot of stuff. I don't know whether I need to, but, you know, it's like an insurance for me. I, I still need to keep feeling that I need to keep on top of things. So um, I'm still there, but I, as, as far as I know, no cancer, touching wood, and um, feel great. I feel great. And it's now my mission to get people to understand what I did, why it worked. And I've spent a long time delving through a lot of the research to find out why what I did worked. So I had this um, feeling that I was starving the cancer in some way, but it was, you know, I needed to block down the, uh, so you've got three macros in the diet. You've got glucose which I'm is the carb because we've got to yeah. go to a short break and okay. I think that when we come back what I'd like to do is to explore the underpinning principles of your book which are based on your experience how to starve your cancer so let's go into that after a quick break don't go away we'll be back in a minute hey. one hour pickup order got it thanks Radovi, can I have a big meeting today? And two boxes of Twizzlers. Yeah, uh, for the team. The team. Yeah, team. Go team. Go team. Know what's better than overnight shipping? Free one-hour pickup when you order online or on our app at Office Depot Office Mac. Meet Norm. He lives with anxiety. But with the help of this latest innovation from Be Normal, he can be normal. Just like everyone else. With the swipe of a finger, you can project happiness, confidence, machismo. Why settle for being real when you can be normal? The Normal Maker. New from Be Normal. This item doesn't really work because there's no such thing as normal. We're all different. What we like, how our brains work. In fact, one in five of us live with mental illness. Don't filter who you are. Start by talking to someone you trust. And remember, there is no normal. Welcome back. I'm joined today by Jane McClelland, who is a cancer survivor. Before the break, just describing to us a part of her journey. And, you know, it's very easy to say, you know, you've gone through several bouts of different cancers that, you know, given very little time to live, and that's over two decades ago. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I think the the it, that in itself is a miracle, but that you've used that experience now to help other people achieve the same. And if not for the for some people, maybe not to cure their cancer, but to expand their lifespan and to do that in a way where they can actually have quality of life, I think is something that is very special. So talk us through, okay, you've you've been through all this, you've mm. done lots of research, and you've decided that you want to help other people. That's a big shift, isn't it, from helping yourself into helping other people. Yeah, it, I, I was trying to help people personally, just on a one-to-one -one level. Uh, when people had cancer, they'd heard that I'd got better. They wanted help. I then started helping people, obviously, for free. They'd come to me. They'd say, I've got colorectal cancer or whatever cancer it was. And I would try and investigate different ways that would be uh, complementary to their traditional treatment. What I don't like to do is say, come off that, don't do chemo. I think that's all wrong. Chemo does have a place in stage four, probably less so, and probably needs to be at a lower level than they're currently giving it. But that's my personal view. But we can use other things, other tools to actually make those treatments work an awful lot better. 
So I like to work with what people are doing and then enhance it and stop the resistance that you get. That's the reason we have cancer progression because it learns to resist whatever treatment you're doing. So my whole basis of my book is to try and look at the ways, the metabolic pathways that cancer feeds itself. In other words, the fuel that it takes in, whether that be glucose, whether it be amino acids, so protein type stuff, or whether it's fat, there are quite a few fat pathways that aren't really appreciated in the cancer world. So it was creating a triangle with these. So that's what I did. I created a little triangle with these fuel lines on to try and denote these three different macros, the carb, the protein, and the fat, and show that there are some key pathways. If you can learn to block those, then you can actually starve cancer and make whatever traditional treatment that you're using much more effective. I think that's a really important point. In no way are we saying to anybody here, stop treatment. But how can you make the most of that treatment? How can you make the most of your own immune system and use uh, food and um, supplements and off-label drugs to give your body the best fighting chance that it has of actually... Yes, and exercise as well. Exercise, I think, is one of the things that really gets neglected a bit. And I, I, you know, it's, you know, we need to encourage people to really oxygenate their bodies and actually use their bodies almost like a, a sink. And what I've seen is some people who do weight training, they, they increase the size of their muscles. And what happens is the glucose then ends up going to these bigger muscles, which are going, I need more energy takes it away from the cancer. So you're still, the the intake that you're taking of the carbs goes in, but instead of going to the cancer, it's actually being taken up like a sink in the the muscles. And I've seen that many times. So actually weight training is quite uh, an important part of the cancer therapy in my mind, alongside things to oxygenate. So aerobic exercise, because cancer really hates oxygen. That's one of the things I try and encourage people to do is to use oxygen therapies. And in my latest edition of my book, I talk about something called baroptosis, and that's the oxidation of iron. So it's using the iron that's already in the cancer cell, but you're actually trying to oxidize it using different therapies. And believe it or not, high dose intravenous vitamin C produces hydrogen peroxide, which is an oxygen free radical. And that combines with the iron in the cell. But there are other factors you need to do. Intravenous vitamin C, I think is a bit misunderstood because there, again, there are resistance pathways that the cancer will learn to use to stop that from killing the cancer. So uh, I've, I've done a whole chapter in my second edition, which then goes into the resistance pathways a bit more. So you learn how to make intravenous vitamin C much more effective. Now, I've read both versions of your book. I mean, as I say, my journey with your work is through my friend Vicky, who had cancer, triple negative cancer came back. um, And we found your stuff just as she'd been given the all clear, having had a, a treatment called cyber knife therapy. And so sadly, at that point, we thought, she's okay, we don't need to do anything. But it came back a year later. And by that time, you'd uh, released your second edition. And so we read it. And what I became with Vicky, and I would urge those of you that um, are going to do this, I became her buddy. 
because at times she was not feeling very well. And yeah. so we both read the book together and you do an amazing course, which I think is, it, I think it's first rate, um, that goes alongside the book because different cancers need different things. Mm-hmm. And I think the course just made things so much clearer. And having the two of us do it, m- m- took away some of the the workload of trying to work out what to do. When you have cancer, you are overwhelmed. You know, it's suddenly this massive, great big thing. You've got to try and understand it, work out what you can do best to help yourself. And you have people giving you information all over the place. You get advice from all sorts of different, you know, and and weird and wonderful treatments come flying at you. You know, what do you what do you actually do? I mean, it's a fairly basic protocol that I, it's not basic, but I mean, it's the the principle of what I do is quite basic. It's to starve the cancer, so it's actually to create a situation where the cancer can't feed itself so well. This slows down its growth. There are certain things that synergistically. So if you add certain two drugs together, you can suddenly get the cancer to just kill itself off. Um, but really a, a, an effective kill phase is what, what I call um, oxygenating therapies is kind of what I describe as my kill phase. And um, so you've got a star phase and then pulse it. A bit like chemo is a kill phase, but you pulse oxygenating therapy. Chemo actually produces free radicals as well. So that's kind of how it works too. So it's uh, uh, it's working alongside traditional treatments, but actually using these pathways as a way to starve it and make get rid of the stem cell because it's a stem cell which is always left behind after these treatments for chemo, radiotherapy. They don't treat the stem cell because it's slow dividing. So it doesn't get wiped out. And these are the cells. And there's only about one in 10,000 in a tumor of the tumor cells that are actually these stem cells. But they're the really tricky ones that we need to get rid of. They're the ones you need to really focus on. And they respond to being starved. They hate it. They need lots of energy. If you starve them, they actually just wither away and just decide not to behave anymore. So, um, you know, it's it's a way of uh, tackling the stem cell and getting rid of the whole tumor rather than just the fast dividing cells, which looks great on an X-ray. You have radiotherapy, you have chemo. It looks fantastic because you suddenly cleared the majority of the tumor, but what you don't see are these small little stem cells which are left behind and they seed a new tumor. And that's what we need to get, the little seeds that are left behind. And and that's that's the key to long-term remission. We're going to go to a short break. When we come back, I'd like to just uh, revisit the three different uh, main main contenders in terms of starving. But also, are there ways that we can do things differently to actually avoid getting cancer in the first place? So don't go away. We'll be back in just a minute. Hello there. My name's Gina Gardner, and I'm the host of Gina Gardner and Friends. I know you're all incredibly busy, and I know that there's so many calls upon your purse or your wallet at the moment, but I'm here to ask for your help. Help for a charity called Mom Plus Me that are supporting children, many of whom are orphans and disabled, and families that have been dispossessed by the war in Ukraine, which has now been going on for a year. They need your help desperately. There's no electricity, and so things are incredibly difficult. So please help by making a donation 
to justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash mom plus me. That's justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash mom, M-O-M plus P-L-U-S me, M-E. Thanks very much. You can make such a difference. I think unless you are a heart disease patient, you may not know how much work the American Heart Association does behind the scenes to save your life. Learn more about the American Heart Association's work at helpheart.org. Welcome back. So you talk about the triangle, the pathways, and you've mentioned um, uh, glucose or sugar, um, protein and fat. Now, my understanding, tell me if I'm right, is that different cancers like different diets. There are some things that they all like, and I think sugar is one of those. But there are different cancers who have, you know, if you were going to a restaurant, that that they would always choose a particular type of of um, uh, food source. Yes, am I right in that? Exactly, and like I said, the leukemia type problem that myelodysplasia that I had was actually feeding more on amino acids than it was on glucose, although. It does like the glucose as well. But there are some cancers, for example. Can I just prost- stop you for a moment because yeah. um, you find amino acids in protein. So Correct. Yes, that's the, they are like the little milk, cheese, and so on. They're like the units of protein that when you break down a protein, it's a long chain of amino acids. So these are sort of like the single units of protein. So there are lots of different uh, amino acids, and some cancers actually very reliant on arginine, which is um, the type of protein. Some of them are very reliant on serine, like breast cancer. Arginine, for example, things like melanoma, prostate cancer actually as well, and sarcomas in particular, like arginine. Um, And there are other cancers that like lots of other um, amino acids. Pancreatic cancer thrives on having this resistance to chemo and to radiotherapy by producing lots of something called glutathione. And that's made from amino acids. And it's like your master antioxidant. So it stops the oxidation that those oxidating therapies are actually negated by the fact that you've got this glutathione in the cell and it's made it through certain amino acids like cysteine. So that's what that's what you need to understand is that the different cancers have this different appetite for what they really want to use. It's not as straightforward. This is a diet. These are the drugs. Absolutely not. I try and teach people. And this is what I do in my online course as well is break it down so that they understand different pathways are more relevant for different cancers. And, and that's that's why they all behave differently. That, you know, there's about 200 different types of cancer and they all have patterns. They all have a fingerprint of how they behave. And that's also how they feed as well. Very important to understand how they feed. And if you understand that, and that's kind of like a new piece of research that is now accepted as a hallmark of cancer, only since 2015, that the metabolism has really been accepted. And also now they're understanding it's all about the tumor microenvironment and also about the immune system has come into it a lot more, particularly with the immunotherapies. Um, 
and also the flexibility of that cancer stem cell. So you block one pathway, it just goes, okay, I'll use this other pathway. And you have to understand how, if you block one pathway, what is it likely to do? So you've actually got to block that pathway as well because you block two synergistic pathways and then you get a much better result. So this is, unfortunately, oncologists tend to treat you with one drug until it stops working, then they switch completely to another drug. And what they're not doing is working out those resistance pathways and working out what you need to take in order to stop it from progressing. And then, you know, you don't have to keep taking a new drug. You might have to be on one drug for a long time, but hopefully you'll get to the point where the cancer will eventually peter out. Um, that's the plan. So it's all about getting to that uh, metabolism of the cancer cell, as well as looking at the genes, which is what the traditional treatments are all about. So could you tell people where they can find you and your book and the course? Um, go to howtostarvecancer.com. And then I will have a link on there for my Facebook group, which is a long mouthful, but it's Jane McClelland Off-Label Drugs for Cancer, because that's how I started my Facebook group. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. Really appreciate it. Love to know how you are and how you're getting on. Um, and if you've got a story, so please email me at Gina, G-I-N-A, at Gina Gardiner and Friends. Gardiner's got an I in it, dot com. That's Gina at Gina Gardiner and Friends dot com. Take care. And if you or anybody you know um, is at the moment going through their fight with cancer, I really urge you, get the book, take the course, and take control of your life in a very different way and give yourself the best possible opportunity. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to Gina Gardner and Friends, the show that helps you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. To learn more about Gina Gardner, go to genuinely-u.com. If you would like to work with Gina or book her as a speaker, email her at gina at genuinely-u.com.